This is the Digital Agency Insiders Podcast. Inside, you'll learn how to build, grow, and scale your digital marketing agency all from the comfort of your favorite coffee shop. Let's get started with the show. Hey, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Digital Agency Insiders Podcast. This is the podcast that gives you a little inside look into how entrepreneurs have built and grown their digital marketing agencies. I am your host, Tabitha Thomas, and if this is your first time watching the podcast, can I just encourage you to go and hit that subscribe button uh, as we release brand new episodes each and every Tuesday with a different digital agency owner. Well, let's move on to our guest today. Today, I have with me Garrett Maragut. He is the president and CEO of Directive. Garrett and his partner founded Directive Consulting in 2014, geared towards performance marketing for software companies. Now, overseeing a great international team in multiple locations across the U.S. and one in London, accomplishing their, their goals, he sees, or he, sorry, he still takes the time to speak and write on marketing and strategy for his businesses. Garrett, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. I'm so glad to be here. Super excited to have you with us. So what is the story behind the creation of Directive and what got you into the niche of uh, software companies in the first place? Yeah, um, so I was in school, uh, did my degree in econ in like three years, did my master's in the fourth year, and I wanted to go into consulting. So I kind of applied to the big companies like Boston, Bain, McKinsey, Deloitte. And I can't remember, like, I know it was all now. I don't remember, like, which one. I think I put all of them. I don't remember the exact specifics. Um, but essentially, I got an auto reply from everyone I applied to because my university, which I didn't think was that unknown, was not even in their application portal, um, which is a pretty humbling experience. And so from there, I applied under other and got, like, an auto response. And it was like, all right, cool. So I said, all right, I'm going to build my own agency. And they'll have to like buy me one day. That was kind of like my thought. And um, I just looked in the mirror and thought, hey, what do people who are older than me with money think I'm good at? Probably the internet. And I just taught myself digital marketing. We had tiny little clients. Um, you know, first client was uh, I was handing out flyers on my moped. And it was like a shawarma shop. You know, I... Uh, I don't even remember how much I charged him because I didn't put the amount in the contract. I don't know why, um, but did <laughs> learning, for 30 learning days. experiences right there. Yeah, well, learning for sure. So like for 30 days, like Yelp, made him a Yelp, made him Facebook, handed out flyers, helped him with his menu, said, come back tomorrow, get your check, came back tomorrow, whole place was boarded up. Uh, so that was the first client. Yep. I got stiffed. And then, yeah, I got a hookah shop um this is all before my partner joined the hookah shop uh i helped him do like he wanted a website so i made one for my uncle and i kind of taught myself wordpress so i made him a website and then he wanted to rank so i kind of read everything that had been written on seo practiced it tried it he ranked number one all of a sudden he got busy and i was like wow this is really cool this works and then I went to my partner, said, hey, you know, I want to talk to your dad. He's a plumber. He had one truck. You know, him and I come from pretty small blue-collar type families. Um, next thing you know, he had three trucks. He saw, he's like, I was like, dude, come work with me. Don't go to law school. I'll pay you like three bucks an hour, you know, because we were pretty <laughs> small back then. And, uh, yeah, that's how we started, like $250 type, $400 retainers. Oh, that's awesome. Um, so did you know your partner? I'm assuming you guys were friends and knew each other. 
Yeah, we were like best friends from high school. And then, yeah, since like freshman year of high school. And then went, we were roommates all through college pretty much. And then, yeah, now we are business partners. Awesome. What's his name? Tanner. Tanner. All right. So, how many years have you guys been going with Directive? Since 2014, so like six years, right around six years now. Yeah. Six years. So, so is it something you always knew that you wanted to do, or was there other there other passions that you wanted to go after? Or is this just like I wanted to do this? I mean, you no, mentioned I'm not a bigger company. So was that the dream? <laughs> I mean, I'm just super pragmatic, I guess. Like I'm like pragmatic to an extreme. So I don't I never had a dream of like any of it to be honest. It was more just like uh like I was screwing around on Fiverr and I bet him I could like make a thousand dollars a month on Fiverr, no, not working more than an hour a day. And so I kind of figured out how Fiverr's algorithm worked. And I was always just kind of hustling and people thought I was good at the internet. So I figured, hell, I might as well get good at it and see what I could do with it. And then just, you know, whenever I do something, I want to be the best at it and want to challenge myself. And so for me, the challenge was how do you build the largest search marketing agency humanly possible? and so that's what I've been trying to do. That's yes, I say you're on your way then. So in your word, what makes Directive a next-gen performance marketing company? And how do you go about connecting the dots between search marketing and revenue growth? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of great ways to do it these days. So, I mean, you can do Salesforce integrations into Google Ads. You can have really strong marketing ops knowledge across HubSpot, Marketo, Pardot, Eloqua, whatever the client's using, frankly um into salesforce or whatever they're using on the sales side and so you know all the campaigns now if you really want to bust your butt you can integrate and you can report on a lot of people might be scared to figure out what they find and might not be able to keep their clients so i think that's probably the number one reason more people don't is if they had to actually report on revenue from their services there might not be enough to pay their retainer um we kind of just decided we would be okay with whatever the data said. And if we couldn't drive services that we could charge a ton of money for, you know, it's probably not the best business. So that's kind of been our approach. I gotcha. Okay. So how do you guys go about finding clients, ideal clients? Cause I'm sure there's, there's clients and then there, there's the ones you really want to work with. And how has that process changed over the years as your company is, has grown throughout the years? Yeah. So I mean, your ideal client's usually based off of how much you charge versus how much people are willing to pay. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's two ways to grow an agency, uh, and there's only two. Um, there's high-end and low-end, mm-hmm. and there's nothing wrong or right with either. You just have to be real with yourself. And what I mean by that is you can have a really good service for the price, or you could have the best service. But you can never have the best service and then not charge the most. Um and so I caught myself in the middle and it hurt because there's this inverse correlation between quality and quantity. Um, mm-hmm. So most agencies try to scale through the amount of clients they have. Very typical, like 99.9. Um, that's the worst way to scale if you also want to have the best service um, because the more clients you onboard, it, it gets harder. You know, uh-huh. um, When we were first, I'd say kind of before we kind of evolved, I'd say about over a year ago and we had a lot of small business because we were very good at demand gen. So February of 2019, uh, I ranked number one for SEO agency um, nationally. I ranked top three for PPC agency. I ranked in the top five, top 10 for almost every one of my keywords. I was spending over $40,000 a month on Google ads. 
I'll spend another third party at, on maybe another 30,000 on review sites. I had a three person sales development team. So a lot of investment in growth. Um, yeah. And we onboarded about 13 accounts. We did around, I think, 1.5 million in total contracts in a month. And immediately I saw, okay, you can't be proud of your service quality and onboard 13 accounts. Mm -hmm. um, you know, at, as a, I think we were at about six, 65 person agency at the time. So even at 65 people, you know, you can't, it just doesn't work. Yeah. Uh, and not enough people are honest with themselves, I don't think. And so what we did is we took the decision to kind of move upstream, which we were always wanting to do. We just didn't realize that small business conflicted with that. So mm -hmm. we always wanted to only do enterprise but along the way, we kind of had all these clients. I call it the cocaine of agency world. It's like small business because they're so easy to get and you can get really good at getting them and then you get addicted and then it can kill you. And you don't yeah. even realize along the way. Uh, and we kind of got to that breaking point in, in 2019. And so, you know, back in the day, to answer your initial question, we got a lot of our clients through, frankly, I, we got really good at Google ads. We got really yeah. good at LinkedIn ads. We got really good at review sites. We got really good at SEO. We got good at sales development. We got good at all those things. Um, now we're, we're getting a lot better at cross-selling, upselling, um, and growing from our client base. Uh, when you're constantly trying to move upstream, the clients you have aren't the ones you necessarily want tomorrow. So it's hard to invest in growing them because 4K accounts will always, like I have the rule you can only double. So like a 4K account can only really become an eight. You can never really turn it into more than that. You know, a 10K, you might be able to get to 20. And by the way, doubling an account is pretty lucky. Usually you have to. So you can get a 4K to a 6K. You get a 10K to a 15. You get a 15 to a 22 and a half, whatever that number is. But the, the game now is once you have the accounts you dream of, it's about growing them and growing from them. And so a lot of it's from there. And then we do a lot of um, still sales development. We still do a lot of uh, account-based marketing, a lot of digital. You know, we spend a lot of money on growth, to be honest, too. Yeah, that sounds like it. I like it. So uh, you mentioned that you had a 65-person team at that time. So how long did and how quickly did it take for you guys to hire staff? And how quickly did that grow? Because 65 is a pretty good-sized team. I mean, hiring the wrong people is easy. Um, <laughs> all day long yeah you, you'd be amazed at how easy it is uh and not everybody is the wrong person but we did get some of the wrong people unfortunately because we weren't um this wasn't our strength at the time and we didn't have enough systems and structures in place i mean there's a lot that goes into i think we were growing at 300 percent year over year for four years straight wow yeah we were 82 last year on the inc 5000 in california so when you're really growing, like really, really growing, um, things break. Yeah. Uh, and so we actually now are a around less than, I think we're 37 or 38 person team right now. Oh, uh, nice. but revenue has grown. So we have, we're, you know, our revenues up at, and headcounts way down, uh, because we don't serve small business anymore. And oh, so now we only do mid market and enterprise. So you went from a 68 to a 38. I like that. So how was that transition and, and moving from the small business to the enterprise? And I'm sure it was a, 
a struggle or <laughs> maybe that's the wrong word. Maybe it was yeah. a growing pain, I guess is the word I'm looking for. How did that process take place and how long did it take? I mean, I think we're still in the process of getting better every day, but I mean, we got all state when I was 24 years old agency. So like we've had, like we did the global SEO for Cisco at I think 24 as well. Um, Tencent, Samsung, I think with 25. So, you know, we were a pretty young company working with some of the largest brands in the world. Um, so it wasn't so much, it was more just having to be real with the fact that certain channels are good for certain things. And sometimes you have to let go of those things and pursue what your vision is. And I think the trick to everything is just being really honest with yourself and humble to what it's going to really take to accomplish your vision and then asking yourself if you're really okay with it. Like if you don't like consistently doing performance reviews, you're not going to be able to offer enterprise services. Yeah. If you don't like doing a ton of sales, you're not going to do enterprise. Like if you don't like high stress environment, you're not going to be able to charge a ton for your retainer. The more you charge, the more people care. You know, the, the myth is that like it gets easier. It doesn't get easier. Um, the work gets more enjoyable and the people you work with get easier but the actual like ability to retain an account that you're charging a premium for mm -hmm. is a billion times harder than keeping accounts that nobody notices on a P&L. And so the second you start really becoming a financial cost to an organization, regardless of your value, um, you know, it's difficult. And so that that's our world. And, you know, that's what we're excited about. That's I like it. I like it. So what are some of the little differences that make a big impact on some of your clients bottom line? Strategy, like what we do for them. Kind of mm -hmm. thing? Yeah. Um, really, I think the biggest thing you can do for a client is help them spend their money. Um, I think that's for everybody. Mm -hmm. uh, most organizations don't have a, a process or a system or a model that they feel comfortable allocating their capital with. In other words, most people might have $180,000 they generated in cash, but they don't actually know where they can spend it. Um, or people are spending $180,000 on digital, and they just decide to spend 75% of it on Google ads because that's what you do. Uh, <laughs> not because they built out a model that evaluated at a unit level, like and normalized essentially and said, okay, here's our LTV. Here's our customer acquisition costs. We're targeting a ratio of three. We're going to use LTV CAC ratio. And then we're going to evaluate every channel. And essentially, if you can help your clients spend their money uh, in better areas at a high level, that's the most important thing you can do. And then the nuanced level of the game is how can they spend their money more efficiently or effectively within those channels? So high level is what channels and the low level is how within the channels. And that's just for like SEO is as much of a capital allocation between how many pieces of content you should be creating related to resources and headcount versus spending on Google ads. So if you put everything in the lens of capital allocation, high level where, and then low level what, that's what you need to do for clients. Yeah. Okay. That makes perfect sense. So earlier you were talking about um, reporting through clients. So what kind of software programs do uh, does Directive use to track clients' results? as far as SEO and PPC are concerned? Yeah, we don't really use like reporting programs because you can't charge someone 50,000 for SEO and then send them an SEM rush report. It doesn't work. <laughs> so very um, true. So we, um, we do still a lot of Google Sheets 
Uh, I built out like a world-class um, like bi-directional database uh, in Sysense, um, fully enterprise dashboarding on uh, fully integrated to their Marketo instance, their Salesforce, their HubSpot. I mean, it was truly beautiful. Um, Real-time data though doesn't work actually. So that broke. Uh, a couple okay. things to be aware of. Clients don't want to pay extra for reporting. They think it's included. Makes sense. So it's a loss leader for your agency. You can't like charge someone 10 grand and be like, like if you want the good reporting, it's another two. People won't pay for reporting. Um, you can try to bundle it as analytics, but at the end of the day, they feel like they're paying you. They should know what they're getting and they want to report. Makes so sense. it's hard to upsell reporting. So the more you invest in reporting, uh, the worse your gross margin is, number one. Number two, the more you try to complicate reporting and take multiple data sources and blend it to get real-time understanding of what's going on, uh, you get what I call the sliver of shit in a cake. Uh, <laughs> and so what I mean by that is you have this world-class thing, and then someone in Salesforce changes the lead stage, breaks the data, mm -hmm. Director of Demand Gen globally comes in on a Tuesday to build their quarterly report for Friday. Data's wrong. They'll never look at it again. It's like telling somebody, hey, here's a nice paste, beautiful cake. Just a sliver of, you know, something in there. No one doesn't eat the cake. <laughs> it's the uh, same issue with real-time reporting. So we moved away from that. And now we kind of manually will pull. Okay. And we'll do it. So we got rid of dashboarding and moved into reporting. So what, and we use data what would you say is like the, the top five things that businesses really want to know when it comes to reporting? Nobody really wants to know anything when it comes to reporting like that. That's not like how it works, unfortunately. Okay. Like it, I used to think it worked like that and uh -huh. it did for a lot of these clients. Now, every one of them is different. Like someone wants to know pipeline revenue. So we have what we call a North Star metric. Okay. In other words, if we could move and hit this metric, the one thing we did over the next 12 months, would you renew with us? Cool. So if I get you 250 MQLs, you're going to renew. Yeah. Cool. Let's make it 300 and let's kick the goal. And so that's what we'll report on. The next client says, look, we don't care about MQLs. MQLs suck. Okay. What do you care about? SQLs. The figures it's the same thing they slightly different, right? Or yeah. it is different. And then you have to go and then, oh, we don't care about MQLs or SQLs. Our close rate, like our time to close is 90 days. We can never look at that stuff. We only care about pipeline revenue. Perfect. Hey, we don't care about pipeline, MQLs, SQLs. We only care about deals, mm -hmm. amount of logos. Like legitimately, everyone in the world's different. Um, and the second you start charging money and reporting on traffic, you lose your client. So like the, the marketing things that everybody reports on, are by far the worst numbers you could humanly report on. It's the the sales numbers and the finance numbers. Those are the ones that matter. So since each client is so drastically different, I'm sure that changes the way you you work with the clients because you can't use systems and processes because they're not all exactly the same. So how did that change how you work with these these clients? I mean, you got less people now, but how does that work? Yeah, um you have to find really, really good people and you got to pay them a lot more. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, it's hard. You just need really talented consultants. Um, more experienced, you know, how do you take this company just bought this company? So this large B2B SaaS company just acquired this large B2B SaaS company. And now they need to integrate both teams. One runs on a global team. The other runs on regional teams. 
how do you come up with a unified strategy over the next six months that doesn't alienate anyone and brings everyone together? That that's not a e- like the the problem with the you know the SEO and the PPC industry is a lot of people value their technical skills over their um, consulting skills. And so what we try to really teach is that your technical skills are understood. You have to have those. Congratulations. Now we need to figure out people skills and how to get buy-in and, and drive results. Um, so if you really want to make a ton of money in marketing, uh, being skilled in specific fields is a prerequisite. It's not a bonus. In other words, being really good at SEO or being really good at PPC is a prerequisite. It doesn't do anything for you. Being really good at communication, reporting, finance, sales, marketing, marketing operations, that's what you know makes you a six-figure type um, consultant. Uh, and that's really what we try to value here. So how are you finding these diamond in the rough type people? I mean, are you finding the talented ones and training them to be what you want them to be? Or are you really successful at finding them great out the gate? You can't find these people out the gate anymore. Um, you know, we used to have like, so I had when I, we had about almost, you know, 70 people. We had, I think 90% was under 30 years old. Mm-hmm. So we were a really young team. We had a lot of, uh, you know, four to six K accounts and, you know, age wasn't as important as just results. Mm-hmm. And you're working with smaller marketing teams. And you, if you're younger, you just have to be a freak kind of thing. And there, we could find those people. Um, at a certain point, though, if someone's paying you forty thousand dollars, they don't want to talk to a twenty-five-year-old. Yeah. You know, they. And so it just depends on how large you get your retainers and how large your clients are. Um, and you don't ever want to try to hire talent for clients you don't have. So it's kind of this juggling act that I think a lot of people go through. But you know, I think a great place to find the right talent is taking like directors from in-house companies that have really advanced um, demand generation teams. Um, those people, uh, if you can find one who used to have a background in one of your technical fields, in other words, like they're a world-class SEO. And then for five years, they worked at Cisco as the director of demand gen for networking. That person is like a dream hire, right? So they have internal experience. So they know how to communicate and create buy-in, but they also have a depth of expertise in one field. So you need people that are really deep in SEO or PPC in my case. Mm-hmm. Not even both, because those people don't exist. So world-class SEO or world-class PPC. And then they're great at finance, business, modeling, projections, forecasting, communication, team management, and all that. If you can find those people, I mean, they're worth every penny. That's awesome. That's awesome. So I hear that you enjoy speaking and writing on marketing strategy uh, and business in general. So what's your favorite and most utilized strategy to date? Uh, I have a concept I call discoverability, um, and that's kind of what we sell. Um, and it's the concept that uh, your brand is more important than your website. And so what we do is we help B2B software companies for the most part, as well as enterprise, like we have web.com, coupons.com, Allstate, like we have those large accounts, but then mostly like software or enterprise is kind of what we service. And if I can make those people discoverable, it's so like just now cool win is we just ranked Allstate for number one for car insurance, car insurance quotes, auto insurance, and home insurance on Google. And so that's a big win for us, obviously, and for our client, you know, and they were a huge part of it. Um, And so essentially, like, that's great if you do it for them, but not everybody's industry works like that. Like a lot of people in software, 
they might have like a keyword like ERP software. And if you search top ERP software, every site on there is a review site. So even if you have the best domain authority, the strongest links, the greatest content, the fastest, best design website, blah, 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 and you're like, we have the best SEO strategy, you still can't rank if Google's choosing to take peer review type sites when there's bottom of funnel purchase intent. So what I do is I say, forget the siloed thinking of website, traffic, landing pages, and SEO, PBC, and say, cool, how can I position your brand to be discovered whenever there's purchase intent? And then I'm just going to spend where you're driving the most value in your CRM. Get away from cost per acquisition, get away from cost per lead. I'm going to look at cost per opportunity. I'm going to look at pipeline. I'm going to look at actual deal volume as well as average order value and close rate. So once I understand your gross profit, your close rate, your average order value, your lifespan of a customer, I can build out your LTV and then I can do LTV CAC modeling and I can just help you spend your money. And if I turn into your financial advisor for your marketing, I make you a hell of a lot more than trying to get an extra 2% out of every grape. And we'll do that. You know, we'll try to make get 3% out of every grape. But if I can really tell you where to spend your money, I can get 10% on everything and it's easier to win. Well, it's probably easier to keep those clients coming back time and time and time again. Is that something that that you guys are able to do is keep keep clients in the funnel for you guys or or you have a lot of turnover? It's on annual retainers. So we only pretty much do annual retainers for large kind of custom projects. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I mean, most people like we don't like retention is pretty strong here. Uh, obviously not perfect and doing performance marketing. Um, there are clients where you hit your goals, but they want more. And there's other ones, uh, we don't really miss our goals, to be honest. It's not usually about missing our goals. There just might be uh, a lot of things happen in our world where you get a new CMO. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you hit all your goals, and, but they hire a new CMO uh, and they want to bring a new agency. And so they put you up for a review. Um, your point of contact leaves. Now there's no marketing person and the product person comes in. And you keep hitting your goals, but you're not talking the same language. There's a lot of reasons um, that retaining accounts in the performance marketing space is hard. Performance isn't usually one of our reasons. It's usually because um, we miss something in the relationship. And so I always stress um, the importance of alignment um, and depth of relationship across multiple points of contact so that you have this stability. Uh, I think that's important for agencies. So important. And most people don't even hit on that. So I like that you are. So uh, I noticed when we were talking about your agency that you guys have teams in London, you've got stuff here all across the US. Do you travel a lot to all of your different locations or are you kind of a homebody? I speak at about 30 conferences a year. So I travel pretty much weekly. Um, But so no, I'm, I, I mean, I like being in the house, sure, but I, I, I travel a lot. I don't do as much like management of the team, to be honest. Uh, I have a full executive team who manages, you know, we have directors and leads and COO and those people. Um, I'm much more uh, managing the growth of the organization and the vision and the culture and stuff like that. So um, yeah, I'll go out to, you know, the offices if I want to meet someone or hang out and, you know, have a strategic meeting, but I'm not usually like, hovering around our offices or hovering around our clients. I'm more, you know, working with the executive team. Gotcha. Okay. So what is one thing that you're doing right now in your company that you just absolutely love doing that just you wake up and that makes you excited? I love doing sales. So I love doing sales. Yeah. yeah. You have to love doing sales. If you want to actually like win at this game, you have to love doing sales. Every big agency, if you like really talk to the, like the platform companies and the people that are 
at the hundred million plus mark. Um, they're really freaking good at sales. Like, and the founders are still selling. Like the biggest, legitimately, the biggest independently held agencies in SEO and PPC, the founders still do sales. Um, you can't go close Adobe and not have the executive team there. So uh, I love sales, honestly. I, I still do intro calls. I still do proposals. I still do contract negotiations. I don't run point on any of it. Like I have an account executive team. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, I love to, I love selling our services and cause we sell like with strategy. So I love building custom strategies for clients and I do it all free of charge. So I'll give somebody a full go to market strategy for free. Um, and then usually they choose us. So well, it sounds like something you, actually there's a myth out there for everyone good. listening. The <laughs> stupidest thing yes. anyone can ever tell you is don't give away your work for free. Don't listen to that crap. It's a bunch of just garbage. Please just whatever you do. Give away your work for free. It's the easiest way to win business. Those people are so wrong and never built anything big. Like, do not listen to those people. Give away your work for free and win business. Because the moment you want to charge for it, you can't just say, well, look what I did for somebody else. Like, I guarantee you. Like, or keep doing that, and I'd love to compete. Um, But either way, my recommendation is you really, you should do as much work as humanly possible to earn the business. Uh, because there's nothing more important for your financials than your close rate. Um, and so this whole thing of it is a waste of your time. It's never a waste of your time. Anytime you put, you help somebody, mm-hmm. even if they don't choose your agency, it's not a waste of your time. So no, if you change your perspective mm-hmm. to that, you help someone, they will come back. They will remember you when they do have budget. They'll want to hire you. You're always better helping people. You don't like go to a, Lamborghini place and they're like well no you don't get to test drive it no you know you just get to look at it you've seen our cars before no they they give you a world-class experience and even if you don't buy and they know who's going to buy or not the second they walk in but they treat everyone the same you got to do the same thing with your agency you can tell who's going to buy and who's not but if you treat them all the same and you do world-class strategy for them free of charge they will hire you um and that's how you get big clients I like it. I like it. So the last question that I always like ending every podcast with is, is there anything that you're currently reading or watching that is helping you grow as an entrepreneur or, or as a leader? Yeah, I think the best book I love to read. So I'm like super. That's say, I see the bookshelf. It makes me excited. So <laughs> I know. I, I think I've read all of them in the last 12 months. Like these are just the recent ones. Like I'm a fiend for reading. I try to go through like one or two, like one every week or two. Oh, wow. Um, but it's the easiest way to learn if you don't know what you're doing. Isn't that the truth? Than you. <laughs> That's oh. funny. I, I literally just highlighted this. The research and experience of others is the best place to start when looking for your answer. <laughs> yep, exactly. I love it. So uh, the book I read just lately that I think was hugely impactful is called Who, uh, W-H-O. Okay. Um, and it's just for hiring. It's a full methodology for hiring. Um, and if you read it, the first two chapters are telling you all the things you're not supposed to be doing. I guarantee you are doing you're all doing those all things of those- as I was. Um, and, you know, if you, another one that I always recommend for people that if you can actually do is uh, good to great. Yeah. And like learning just the fact that I think, you know, as a young manager myself and stuff, I still struggle with is, well, that I used to struggle with. I think I've gotten better in the last like six to 12 months, but was, like you try to, the biggest mistake I find in agencies is they try to do the best they can with what they have instead of trying to do the best they could if they could do anything. And the second you settled, in other words, you start playing hands mm-hmm. with pocket sevens instead of folding and trying to get aces, 
is when you you fail. And so, you know, it's all about legitimately your team. You know, so many people, what they don't realize is they spend all their time on their C players and they forget that they put all their C clients on their C players. So they intrinsically accidentally focus on all their C clients by focusing on their C players. And they try to make the wrong people right instead of being real. They don't help that person. Instead, they put that person through hell trying to become something they're not instead of being real with that person and themselves. And so the biggest thing you can do if you want your agency to be successful is upgrade your team. No matter what you do, the biggest thing you can do is either find people that could get better or be real about the ones that can't make hard decisions. And at the end of the day, that's the best way to love on your team. If, like you're not helping someone who doesn't belong in an agency and would be way better in-house because they're better with a singular focus. And if you don't have a client big enough to give them only one and you need them on seven, it doesn't work. Like the average person on a directive only works on four accounts. So the second you can get yourself to that level of capacity, that's when you get to actually do the real strategy you dream about. Um, so yeah, I've just been on this journey. I mean, I used to have 20 accounts per person and now I'm all the way down to four to five. I can't imagine so, 20 accounts for me. I just cannot imagine that. <laughs> yeah, but that's what, the, I mean, the industry in general is about, I'd say 17 accounts per person on average. Wow. Wow, wow, yeah. wow. So that's, that's a lot. Yeah. And then they wonder why, you know, everyone burn burns out. out. Yep. <laughs> that's exactly right. That's exactly but right. But that's because they don't charge enough. So they want to pay people their desired salary. And the only way they can when they're managing 4Ks is if they give them 15 to 17 of them. Yeah. No, that's some really good advice. I love it. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. I have enjoyed getting to know you and about the company and all the advice you've given us. So uh, where can people find more about you? Yeah, I'm on Twitter and LinkedIn, Garrett Merigut. Uh, if you want to learn how we do things at Directive, we actually give it away, not free of charge, but we do give it away. Uh, it's called the Institute. Uh, it's $99 a month, and we will teach you how we do SEO, how we do PPC, all our templates, spreadsheet processes, um, definitely valuable if you're an agency, you know, you could use legitimately use it as all your onboarding and training. Um, highly recommend. And then if you, you know, you're listening on our services, just check out our website. We'd love to help. All right. All right. Well, thank you so much guys. We'll see you next Tuesday. You've been listening to the digital agency insiders podcast for more tutorials on growing your digital marketing agency. Make sure to visit digital agency insiders.com.